I don't know. I kind of felt, uh, I don't know. I felt like I was being a bit conceited because before my, one of my friends told me Asterian Institute from my name, uh, sounded cool. Like, uh, the Jeffersonian or, yeah, I like that, you know, but then I was like, ah, that's kind of, it's too much. So I thought Suga, like, uh, the hemlock, you know, something that oh. can provide healing, but also yeah. kill you if, if you take too much. That's a very good. Dude, that's very cool. I didn't know that was the the genus of it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the American hemlock, so it's it's less potent than the European one. So yeah. If you if you were gonna be a tree, what kind of tree do you think you'd want to be? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Um I don't know. I think I like the I like trees that grow in the taiga, so I think I'd be a species of of fur. Tiger trees are so cool. Yeah. Do you ever get uh, into um? Do you ever get into like mystery writing at all? Mystery writing? Oh, um, what do you mean by that? I I might know what you mean, but I have no idea. There was a a book I read. God dang! There was a book I read. Um, oh, it's I'm I'm not gonna be able to find it. Oh, this sucks. There was a book I read uh last year about it was this kind of like weirdly not like supernatural but it was very it was like a cerebral almost like twin peaks-esque mystery mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that took place in the russian taiga okay. and it kind of like used um that kind of like very bleak but still wild feel yeah um for it almost and it almost was like ha- like uh like the person this lady that was investigating it was on like different planes like uh like different planes of the mind like trying to oh. investigate this thing, and she was like having to like reach into her own past, like memories that she'd repressed. It was very interesting. Okay. okay, I hate I hate describing the book in that much detail and having absolutely no idea what it's called. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm quite sure that uh, perhaps someone listening to the podcast or something, or I'll probably go look it up. We'll we'll find it out eventually. We'll find it out. But it was it was a solid book. I really enjoyed it. It was a short yeah, yeah. read too. It was just it was like a good just like. A, you could probably read it like in, a, in an afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Am okay. I coming through okay? Is the sound quality all right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as good as it's going to get um, over internet. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's as good as it's going to get. But it's better this way because we're safer and we're saving gas money. Very true. Uh, I had a, um, if we ever wanted to do one of these over the computer, I have a, um, uh-huh. like a, a snowball microphone that has pretty good sound quality. Okay, okay, but that requires a a USB to plug in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an XLR um setup Ooh. like with recorders and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, most of the time, whenever I'm doing impromptu podcasts, I don't have enough time or space to set up. Absolutely. Because, uh, like, I used to rock it during uh, whenever I was in college. So I used to bring it out and commandeer some library rooms and set oh, up yeah, a, a quick studio, but. You know what I kind of wish they still had in libraries? 
What's that? I wish they had uh, like record listening rooms. Oh, we do. I mean, at Young Harris, do we you really? have a um, we have a whole collection that was donated by one of the patrons. Wow! So they like actually provide you like little sound booths to listen to them in, like with turntables and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're also study rooms, so that's wonderful. You have that's to, a great uh, idea. Yeah, so there's only one record player, and you have to ask a librarian. Yeah, I I was a librarian at school, like a library assistant, so I had the opportunity. But I I must say, no one ever asked for it, so it was just always sitting there. Dang, that's awesome. I think because I went to I went to Appalachian State University. Yeah, and um, they had I think. I worked. I, I didn't work there, but I was in the music building a lot. I had a I had mm-hmm. a couple classes on like music theory that I really enjoyed, and yes. um, they I think had some records there as well that you could that you could listen to. Okay. And they also had they had like spaces you could rent to practice, um, you know, to practice your your instrument. And I yeah. I think that's so cool, like having like a little space you can rent, just like mm-hmm. in an area. That's cool. As there's something that feels very Wes Anderson about like, yeah. like being able to like look at all these people like doing different things in their own little sections. Mm-hmm. And since we are now mentioning Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and names, I will introduce the podcast. Oh, very good. That's a good call. Uh, I'm glad everyone's here joining us. This is obviously In Defense of Humanity with Osteris Oz Miller. Today I'm joined by a good friend who I met at a camp who may remain undisclosed because oh. They have more money and power than us. <laughs> uh, this is Logan, my friend. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm uh, Logan Garrison. I am a uh, historic preservationist in the making, um, a, as well as just a fan of life in general. Absolutely. And uh, Logan, you had the opportunity. It's not really an opportunity or a, a, uh, a great honor, but you picked our topic for today. Will you please explain I did. Uh, our topic? I did. And before I explain the topic, I also am so glad that this podcast is not in the pocket of Big Camp. Um, <laughs> very glad. So the, the topic for today's one is something that's very close to my heart, uh, is love. And uh, love how it's not only portrayed in media, as in like movies and TVs and books and whatnot, but also how we experience love in a mediated world. And Oz, you introduced mm-hmm. me to the concept of a mediated world. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, yes. So whenever you first mentioned this to me, uh, we were DMing. Uh, I had Logan's number, but Oz, he didn't Oz have my new number. right up into those DMs. Yeah, I had no choice. Uh, <laughs> he, he was he posted a story, Roger. tagged me in it, and uh, I was like, well, since he listens to podcasts, what if he wants to be on one? I do. I've and been wanting to so be on happened. this for a while. I love listening to it. Excellent. Well, welcome to it. So yeah, the mediated world. Uh, basically, I was talking about um, McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan, yep. who's a communication theorist, was talking about his theory of the global village. And basically media as a uh, media, the plural of medium, which in and of itself is a, uh, a matter or space of transference, which is television, uh, cinema, music. And so this medium allows us to transfer knowledge amongst ourselves and so the mediated world is the global village Absolutely. and this idea is that we are ever connected um, more than ever before more, like we can communicate right now we're even doing it we're hundreds of miles apart well probably like 130 miles apart and we're able to 
fully discuss these matches. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I, I wrote down some stuff about that. Do you want to ask me? Sorry, my dad's talking to me. Um, oh, that's all right. But yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. I, uh, I told him I was doing a podcast, but obviously he did not get my message. Um, yeah, so if you, if you, one thing that, so I, um, you know, your boy's locked down in a relationship uh, in a good mm-hmm, way, in a good mm-hmm. way. And uh, before good, good. this, we actually talked a lot and I took some notes about the um, kind of form of like love and experience in a relationship over like the communications technology, like through the internet and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we wanted to, we could go through that now or we could go through that later on with whatever you're thinking. But I thought that was a very yeah. cool thing to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I'm glad that you brought that up. We're definitely going to hit on that. And I say it as though we're not going to hit on it right now. But <laughs> as you as you know from listening, independence of humanity is extremely fluid. So if you mention the slightest oh. point, it may take me 300 tangents to get there, but eventually we're going to get there. And I know you have a prior engagement with your family. So don't worry, that, that uh, prior to... engagement is the wonderful Last Dance documentary on um hey. on uh, ESPN. I now I'm sorry to say I am in the pocket of big sports. <laughs> so I gotta give a shout out to that. No, it is it is very good. But that's not till nine o'clock, so I got plenty of time. Okay. Okay. So we have we have some time. We'll probably actually just so we can keep the audience in this loop, even though, you know, probably five people will listen to this at the time that it drops and then like a hundred people and like three months like they usually do and then ask me questions until <laughs> we recently did this. Uh, uh, but anywho, so we're going into this, we're going to deep dive mm-hmm. and then we might actually do an episode of in defense of time, which is this episode 0.5. I believe this is episode 17, it'll be 17.5 where we will just go completely off the rails. Oh, I'm so into uh, it. I don't, you know, I don't consider myself an expert in anything. However, in defense of time is whenever I start sounding like a conspiracy theorist. Um, probably like people who watch X-Files, like mm-hmm. myself, like oh, yourself, I love X-Files. sound to anyone who's never watched X-Files. Oh, yeah, big time. So as, uh, as we're talking right now, I actually have my uh, I Want to Believe poster. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, that's mm. classic. That is classic. I love it. What are your thoughts on them? Oh. I know you guys have talked about aliens on the show beforehand, and we won't dive too much mm-hmm. into it because mm-hmm. that's not what today's show is about absolutely but absolutely. Um, i do god they're um, so interesting it's such a cool topic oh oh speaking of mm-hmm. aliens yes. okay so we've we've discussed it and you you uh ask how we feel as a show as if the show is not just me and then usually nehemiah or khalid mm-hmm. or sam Fab also here but glad that you're here now so you're a part of the production am i in group. the family um you you welcome. Wow, you are in the family. I'm so excited. My application yeah. to the institute got accepted. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, aliens, right? Um, the Department of Defense, I believe, or was it Homeland Security, has recently uh, released oh, that footage. some footage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, of the uh, unidentified um, aerial. Vehicle, yep. I believe, is that what they're called? Um, I think so. I'm unidentified. Right now. It's similar to it's similar to UAV, which is unmanned aerial mm-hmm. vehicle. So it's not that, but it's also not UFO because that's a a civilian yeah, term. Absolutely. Uh, oh, dang. 
See, I've been coerced so hard by the government to be so loyal to the United States. I don't even know how to trash talk them. That's what I don't want to really throw us off. But like that is one thing I always struggle with a lot as like someone who grew up in America and as someone Mm -hmm. who like is like constantly kind of consuming media. Because like even something like X-Files, you could consider that government propaganda, you know, that's that's true. That's true. Because even if someone like Mulder is. You know, I I don't know, because it's like he he very much is is part of the people that are like, I work, you know, for the government, but I I am actively in distrust of them. Yes. So it's like I always kind of think about, like, what if like we as a country, like we we have to kind of try to like use the systems that are in place to kind of Mm -hmm. like achieve good things, you know, in some ways. I think there's some things that can be totally torn down, redone um, entirely. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, no, I fully agree with you. And to to be quite blunt, obviously, if it's not evidenced by the previous episodes, I wholeheartedly believe in extraterrestrial beings. Hundred percent. However, however, uh, had to step outside real quick. I no worries, dude. I love the foley work you've got going on here. Oh yeah. So, I do. I do. In fact, believe. And aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to believe. I do believe. Uh, what do you think is the difference there? I don't know. I feel like if I want to believe, it's like, oh, oh since we're also going to be talking about love, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Ooh, in good the, classic, the classic romance film, right? I love you. And then it's like, do, do you love me? And it's like, I want to love you. That's a oh, that's a very good distinction. Yeah, you see, you see, because it's like there's potential. I I can see it, yeah. but for some reason, I cannot one hundred percent commit to it. Yeah. So, so this is right. This is similar to um, Scully, Dana Scully. I um, in the later uh, seasons of the series, mm-hmm. right? You could see her desire to believe. Oh yeah. Fox Mulder, he's already right? there. He he's there, but he but he has to say something similar mm-hmm. to because he is so uh, tied to the government. Big time. I want to believe. That's a great point. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, because the 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 commitment is a, a way that you trap yourself, and it prevents you from being hurt or from being, um, yeah, basically from being hurt or dismayed. Because if it turns out that it's not, if it's a government plot, oh, I wanted to believe I didn't, so I'm still technically not wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or with the love, I want to love you. You cheated on me. Ah, you see, this is why I couldn't because I felt something else, and you, you betrayed me. Yeah, and it almost in in that sort of situation. It, it almost gives you like an extra layer mm-hmm. of like sort of like protection over vulnerability if you're if you're in that mm-hmm. kind of relationship, which is not a healthy one, obviously. But I digress. Absolutely. Dang, that's very cool. I never thought about that. Do you think they were like they got the poster for the for the for the set and they're like, yeah, this looks pretty good. <laughs> no one's going to analyze this bad boy. I don't I I, I like to think that they did. I hope think so. About, I hope so. Um, because you also mentioned Twin Peaks, and I noticed some of your your sci-fi slash thriller habits. Oh, yeah. 
your your yeah. habituations with film are are somewhat similar. I think there was a channel on television called the Chiller Ooh. Channel. I don't know what if you it, ever watched it, it or AMC Chill. Chiller. It's like all thrillers and and horror films and late night sci fi and X Files used to come Ooh. on this. Um, pretty much pretty much any sci fi that was also yeah. drama mystery. Like they had uh, special unit two special yeah something like this that had like um mystical creatures and things in it sort of comedic but not so like uh hardcore sci-fi not star yeah. trek or stargate so things that could include like yeah, blood absolutely. and gore and and kill people on screen which is what x-files absolutely. has done numerous times wow so chiller closed down two years ago Okay, okay. I knew I haven't heard yeah. anything of them. I don't have television, like, in the standard sense. I don't think most of us do. Uh, but, like, with cable, I remember there was a channel called Chiller. And Buffy Big the Vampire time. Slayer, Angel, which which are also, like, mm-hmm. fantasy sci-fi with love incorporated in it as well. So, maybe passively, Chiller was actually a romance channel Ooh. for for horror fans that's the craziest thing i think is like with the with the things i like to watch and the media that i like to to like to have at a time i i dig a lot of horror stuff Mm -hmm. and like horror adjacent things but like what stops me from from actively watching a lot of them is like that stuff gets stuck in my imagination so easily and then like Mm -hmm. and i think the, the tone of a lot of those really will like get me down like if it doesn't end on like some sort of like either positive like tone, like I would say like something like a quiet place, even though that is sort of like a thriller type movie, that mm-hmm. still ends on like a hopeful note. So if it's like just depressing at the end of it, I'm like oof. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, I feel, I feel Ooh, the okay. opposite. Whenever I watch a horror movie and someone gets out, think to myself, I know. Whenever I was younger, I never got scared of horror movies because I always told myself or cousins. Uh-huh. Okay. Are we reconnected? Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh give me one second. Absolutely, man. I like that this is like on the go. Absolutely. I'm just running around my house. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Where was I? Where was I? You were talking about um, uh, how horror movies, when they end with something hopeful. Ah, whenever they end with something hopeful. So, I don't know, like, wrong turn to me, those were trash, right? Uh, in West Virginia, firstly, it's a terrible stereotype. That if you go into West Virginia and you're young, that you're going to get killed and eaten. But yeah, m- more importantly, always one person gets away. You have these cannibal inbred family. <laughs> and they manage to kill seven people. One young woman gets away. That's just the way of the world. This doesn't, this doesn't make sense to them. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Uh, no, it doesn't. Obviously, she has to win because it's usually like a, a B-list actress who eventually becomes A-list, yeah. but then falls back off the list. Like, I don't know. Uh, 
Like Megan Fox, a Megan Fox type. That's true. What has she done recently? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not coming for her if there are any fans out there listening to this. I think she listens uh, to this podcast actually. Ah, that's a <laughs> well, we, we still like you, Megan. Uh it's just like what was it? Uh was the one from Jessica's Body? Was that it? Jennifer's uh, where body? She, she, Jennifer's Body. That's a right. good flick, though, dude. That's a good well, flick. I, I kind of, I, I do like it. I do like it. But that's because at the end, the demon was not fully expelled. So in my mind, after the film ends, she still killed everyone. Dang, dude. So those cliffhangers are what I like. But cliffhangers that show, like, like Blade Runner. I like the international cut of Blade Runner. Oh, I didn't even think to talk about Blade Runner in this connection. Yeah, absolutely. I got to yes. talk about Blade Runner later when it comes to love, because that's such an interesting absolutely. Uh, discussion. Blade Runner is all time. I have a Blade Runner poster. Speaking okay. of posters, it is one of okay. my all time favorite movies. Okay. Actually, nice. sorry, this is, I'll let you get back to it. On my, uh, I've got a quarantine reading list. Mm-hmm. And uh, my next one up, I'm about to read Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. And then yes, my next yes. one after that, is a future noir, the making of Blade Runner. Okay, okay. Speaking of Vonnegut, am, yeah. am I wrong in assuming that Vonnegut wrote uh, a Harrison Bergeron? Uh, I think so. Um, I think he did. Harrison, he did. Kurt Vonnegut wrote Harrison Bergeron, yeah. which is like a dystopian future. Um, I, I think I've, I think I've talked about it on the podcast, maybe like the third episode, just about a dystopian world where everyone has to have equality. And oh then, like, yeah, yeah, yeah! Like the yeah. Like, people that are athletic have to like like intentionally wear weights or something like that. Yes, to keep them down. yes, definitely. That's a very yeah. interesting concept. And then it goes to show you because Vonnegut did not do this accidentally. No, absolutely. So he has like a bureau of equality. Yeah, and then because of Americans, for for most. Americans, I wouldn't even say Canadians, but most Americans have the word equality and they they use it like wide sweeping term. Mm-hmm. But um, the the and then this is often used by the far right to say that oh uh, liberals and libertarians want equality of circumstance, but in fact, what these individuals want is equity. Big time. I was so, just about to say equality versus equity. yeah. Yeah, 100%. so so the Bureau of Equanimity is not the Bureau of Equality. It's just that. It's they, they want equity. So um reducing everyone to the standard is not helpful. It would be helpful. This is what Vonnegut was getting at. This is the theme that a totalitarian regime subjugates those who are more capable in order to be in line with those that are less capable. But then the most capable uh, profit from everyone's incapability mm-hmm. or inability mm-hmm. um, and that's because the the magistrate or the or what is it the the chief of the the like magistrate of equality she has to be smarter stronger and more capable of strategy than anyone in order to uh do the job yeah big time so it's you know it's it's a little allegory for our society. I would think so, and I think like yeah. with stuff like that, if we're talking about equity, it's like my man Carl says: to each according to his need. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. that is so important. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Mark, Mr. Uh, Mr. Excuse Marks. Mr. Mark, absolutely. No, 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 <laughs> Carl. I understand that you have a close relationship with uh, Carl Marx. Uh, I do not yet. So 
I don't know. I think I think the I don't know. We can we can talk about that in the later one. But I do think that I think we as a society could could look a lot more into like getting into like like the sentimentality of each different type mm-hmm. of uh like not necessarily government system but like economic system. Yeah. Like I feel like we could feelings could play a larger role into something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, what was it? The the original position. Mm-hmm. Who who wrote this? Who wrote this? The original position is an economic theory that that posits that policymakers should place themselves in the ultimate unjustification or the 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 original position, which is a place in your in your mind where you don't know who you are, you don't know your gender. It's basically the ultimate intersectionality. Ooh. So you don't know your gender, your race, your socioeconomic status, your country of origin. Yeah. And then you make uh, legal precedents or, or torts and, uh, according to the original position. So it's easy enough for a rich um, right-wing, extreme right-wing conservative, which is not all conservatives, not all Republicans by any means, to make laws that that take away or disenfranchise because they'll be fine yeah they'll be fine and and for liberals to make laws that help benefit them because they know they won't be fine without it however in the original position you make laws oh my neighbor's having a party apparently oh nice uh well wait maybe not nice we're supposed to be social distancing right now yeah it's not (laughs) nice but this is once again, we know where I live. Yeah. I live in a, a place in North Georgia. So, you know, probably don't believe in science. Yeah. But that's that's a part from this. Yeah. That's a different uh, so, conversation. So in the, indeed, we'll get to it. <laughs> in, so in the original position, we make laws where, you know, not necessarily just grant all-out ubiquitous zero borders. Yeah. Um, because you have to think in the original position, what if I go back and then I'm like a, I am the president after the original position. Then I have to deal with the calamity. I Absolutely. Caused. But also you don't want to cause like prisons or concentration camps on the border. Cause what if I leave the original position and I am a migrant? Yeah. What if you are, yeah. What if you're a person that is trying to get into the U S yeah. So it makes the most equitable uh, decisions for legal precedent absolutely right? because you're establishing new laws every single time you are in the original position uh, and i think i think that the original position is obviously an ideal mm-hmm. which is unachievable but i think we can look towards what we consider ancient economic theory uh which is not even that old because economics are are constantly reiterating themselves mm-hmm. in in similar ways to the past. So I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so Oz, we've been skirting around the main topic for today's. Episode. Okay, we're getting in. If you're okay with getting into it, let's get in. We're talking about love. Okay, um, love. So, do you want to talk about the communication with love through a mediated thing, or do you want to talk about love as portrayed in media first? Oh, oh, I don't know. You decide. I think I'm going to do mediated first. Cause, um, Brie and I, Brie is my, my girlfriend. 
we talked about mm-hmm. stuff that then I think we can connect through the media that we talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, so I've got some notes right here and I can just go through them if you want, and we can just use those as talking points. Absolutely. So we kind of discussed if, if we're talking about love through communication, right? Especially mm-hmm. in a time like this where people aren't really able to see each other. You have to do most of your relationships through the computer, over the phone, over social media, right? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of asked her, I said, how do you think we make it work? Because it, it, it's a very satisfying relationship. Like I feel very you know, secure and everything. And she said mm-hmm. having variations in the technology and using them to their fullest. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. Okay. So this is uh, love transmitted through yeah, the media, exactly. correct? Okay. Okay. So using the technology to its fullest. So people who often, um, I hear people, right? As someone who's not currently in a relationship, <laughs> it's easy enough for me to talk about this because I don't yeah. have to deal yeah, with yeah. these outsiders currently. <laughs> of course. Um, so as someone who has had, um, dealings with relationships of long distance Mm -hmm. myself and from now an outsider perspective i can say that it is difficult but not nearly as difficult as it used to be for people who had the internet yeah okay let me let me let me explain so once we started this global village so this is once we started having um telephones not necessarily uh not necessarily, you know, sending Morse code or having it interpreted by the postmaster in eight, circa 1870s. Yeah. Not, not this, but right now, telephone. So Graham, Alexander Graham Bell afterward. Yeah. I think it's, it was a little bit difficult because you'd have to call through, uh, get connected, hope that they're there. Get charged for a long a distance chat. if it was long distance. Of course, of course. And then there was no guarantee that they, in their place of living, they had infrastructure for this. So it made it difficult. Um, now, with cell phones, people, uh, and we have the reader receipts, oh, which boy. made it wholly <laughs> more difficult. So you could send, it's, it's like, um, I wrote a paper about silence, the subaltern silence. So without saying anything, you have oh, said absolutely. everything. If you open a message then don't respond. You have sent all that you need uh-huh. to send to make someone go through uh, the, the Kierkegaardian. Say, possibly every uh, emotion. <laughs> yeah, trial, trial of anxiety, like the trial of faith. You, they, they go through all of the cycles of, of grief and who knows how much, because why did, why did he yeah. or she open it? Or why did, why did they... Why did they not respond, or why did it take them so long to open it, and then they still didn't respond? So I think I think it's made it a bit more difficult for us, 2007 to 2015, right? Now that we have, and especially because coronavirus is pushing us towards, we have like, I don't know, like like pair and and uh, FaceTime, Zoom, <laughs> uh, Duo, WhatsApp we have no option to say we don't have time yeah. because if you have meetings or whatnot, you're about to go to sleep. You, you can't, I hate texting. That's me. I like mm-hmm. talking Big on time. the phone. I like hearing someone's voice, 
because I can hear how they're feeling. You can you can uh, read and I can gauge my responses based on that. Yeah, if they're texting and they go like everything's fine, I'm gonna assume everything's yeah. fine, and it might not be at all. Uh, so with that being said, um, so right now, you know, 2017 to current, I'd say it's difficult to say you're busy and it's difficult being in a long distance relationship because you have all these medias. You you have the Facebook portal, which I wouldn't buy, but it's available that you can just set it up on your counter and talk to them while yep. you're doing work. Um, so to say that I don't have any time because I'm far away, not going to cut it. Doesn't really hold weight because you still had enough time for them. Whenever you're working the same job, just in a closer proximity. Mm-hmm. Now it should in theory, make it easier because you don't actually have to touch them or show up at their house. Travel waste any, any gasoline or petrol. Yeah. You just dial in. They answer, they can't answer, they call back. Unless you're, you know, actually busy, which yeah. they'll understand, as long as you're not busy every single day, every single hour, because then that, that becomes suspicious. That, does, that you're avoiding. Uh, yeah, but the reason why I say these time frames, right, 2017 to now, impossible to say it, you know, 2007 to 2015, that's whenever we had iPhones, Blackberry still uh, coming full force, where we could have like BBM mm-hmm. or iMessage, um, you know. So, so it's like Veronica oh, Mars yeah. territory. <laughs> so, so you know, we could is a is a bit difficult because you have oh, to yeah. page someone. Are you are you available for a phone call? <laughs> I don't have minutes, whatnot. You know that that mm-hmm. made it a bit difficult. Uh, but before that, letters. So people had no choice but to be distant. You could be courting someone for five years without seeing them, but once, uh, once in that five year period. So that made it easier. But now because we have access to all these things, it's like, uh, how do, how do I say this? Oh, okay. Okay. People are now protesting and holding and, and gathering together in large groups to protest stay at home order. But, but before the stay at home order, people hated going outside and wanted to always stay home, watch Netflix. But now that the, the ability has been taken away from them, they want to do it. It's like uh, the, the kid. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. kid can do anything he wants. You only want been, to do something yeah. whenever you... When they said no. It's, it's almost reverse you, psychology. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People only want to do when things they've been specifically told not to. When they... When the, yeah, when, when it's been taken away from you. You're absolutely right. It's reverse psychology. So I say during this time, it was easy enough because people didn't yeah. have access to to the means of doing this. But now we have absolutely no choice uh, but to have these means. Unless you're rocking the, the, the flip phone or the minimalist phone or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so in, in a long-winded assumption, I'm going to say we have, we can't, we can't say that distance hurts us because we live yeah. in this mediated society yeah. distance so is not the barrier it once was yeah. um okay one another thing we talked about that i thought was very interesting was um mm-hmm. uh that openness and communication that's key um what are your thoughts on like dating apps because i feel like if we're if we're talking about love in the modern era and love through media we have to talk about dating mm-hmm. apps mm-hmm. yeah yeah so to, to name drop right here, I was talking to my my mm-hmm. some of my other friends 
uh, Austin Watson, who who lives in the Young Harris area, um, and his his partner Hadley Hughes, and she was telling me, "Oh, if you want to find a girlfriend," because we were sort of joking about how I'm alone right now, and I was like, "I'm I'm lonely, but I'm not alone yeah, because yeah, there yeah. are other people around." Um, so it's like. Uh, she was like, oh, well, don't be on Tinder because every guy um, who is single, not every guy, but a lot of us, download Tinder. And then we're like, oh, yeah, I'm sort of looking for a girlfriend. And it's like, ah, you don't really download Tinder looking for a girlfriend yeah. or looking for friends. That's it's unrealistic. And there's, a, there's like a meme going around where it's like in almost every young woman's bio just looking for friends on Tinder. And it's like, ah, that's... Uh, you're not looking for friends if you put looking for friends in your means bio. you're not looking for a long-term relationship uh, yeah i i i hate to tell them this so so with tinder no with bumble or hinge hinge is the i don't know if you've heard of it but it's an app it's specifically it, right? designed to be deleted yes yeah um and bumble has bumble for dating bumble bff and bumble biz that's which is for business so i actually that's have hilarious bumble. to me that seems like a, a more scandalous linkedin almost. yeah 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 so i used bumble for for biz for a week and i realized there was a, a bunch of poppycock <laughs> so i don't use it for that anymore bff is is same sex people and sometimes other other gendered people on there as well looking for quotes friends um however uh if you go on to mm -hmm. bumble bff right in this mediated society Absolutely. since we're still talking about media uh usually it is more akin to a soft version of grinder because it's same-sex people so you're on bumble bff and i was naive mm -hmm. whenever i first downloaded bumble so i went to bumble bff and i was like oh cool i'll probably meet some like Young guys into philosophy, of physics, oh, and Oz. look at Adam from oh, the group. <laughs> my my <laughs> my my dear friend Khalid <laughs> told me, "Oh no, you're you're definitely gonna get uh, some some sword. Yeah, you're 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 gonna get a sword for sure, but it's not gonna be the <laughs> the pin. No, no, no." And I was like, "What do you mean?" So I went on match with someone for even the fact that it's a mm -hmm. match and not like oh, yeah, friend yeah, yeah, yeah. request or whatever. Uh, so I messaged, I said, oh, so you study philosophy? And he's like, yeah, you should uh, come over sometime and we could talk about it. And I was like, oh, cool. So what's your favorite philosophy? And then it, it went it went provocative. So I was like, oh, oh I no. think I'm on the wrong app. <laughs> so now I'm on uh, Bumble yeah, that's for dating. Cool. Uh, just, just, and right now I match with endurance athletes. So like runners. And then we talk about running. We don't talk about anything else we we only talk about our running sets which is kind of interesting because i it's definitely not what that's it's pretty that's for. a pretty interesting way to use so, it though like get like new ideas or like new inspiration yeah. to go running yeah because I, I realize outside of quarantine i really can't be bothered to use these apps because i have no problem 100%. yeah talking to people in real life like i just randomly walk up to people for for no reason on unprovoked i just talked around how do you people. choose what people to talk to because they look interesting or that they're just there or what no i i don't know i i just see someone i'm like you know what i'm going to talk to this random and sam fam can attest to this probably 
many people at at our camp, mm-hmm. right? Whenever we were first there, yeah, we yeah, did like yeah. mixers and things to introduce ourselves. But like after that, I would still walk up to random counselors and start talking. They probably thought, "Oh, this guy's bizarre. He just he just randomly walked up, uh, started talking about my book or whatever." Like for for certain, and I know she wouldn't mind if I mentioned her. But like Mary Grace, yeah. uh, you remember? I would just randomly like show up and be like, "Yo, what book is that?" Dorian Gray. I like that book, and then I'd walk away. She does just for no reason. And does then, she listen to the podcast? Yeah, for sure. And then like. Uh, let's probably Ooh. not. She's listened once, nice. but let's be honest. Let's be honest. So I'll share this with her because I mentioned it to her. But yeah, yeah. And then you know, there's always a the suspicion. I didn't even know if that's a word. Suspicion. There's always the suspicion that whenever a yeah, guy talks to a girl. like myself uh, talks to a girl, that I'm looking for something more than just a chat. That's a tough road to navigate. Like so, um. It is, it is. But I like to think because I'm such a clown that no one uh, fears me. Why do you whenever use the I word just talk to them? Fear of like fear of like intentions? I Yeah, yeah. I guess it's because my grandmother's <laughs> always watching special victims unit. I just I use uh I use these terms because I the last thing I Absolutely. want is to be yeah, misinterpreted yeah. uh or to be equated to uh be being predatory because i i do not wish this yeah upon anyone i very few if i am ever interested i just drop it succinctly and especially with women who are like i would say probably like so used to having like guys come up to them and like try to talk about something because you know they they Mm -hmm. are looking Mm -hmm. for something romantic or something yes. of like a more salacious nature yeah um so like i can mm-hmm, completely mm-hmm. understand i don't know because i think anytime you want to talk to someone that is like you think they're cool or you like the vibes that they give off or stuff like that you want to put them at ease yeah um and it's i, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. like i'm not like i think women and like i think they're absolutely in the right to like kind of already be on the back foot like mm, yeah like i've been burned so many times on this one Mm-hmm, so I can mm-hmm, definitely, it's mm-hmm. a tough, it's a tough road to Absolutely. Navigate. Absolutely. But I can say uh, with my track record, like if obviously the, the people who I introduced myself to, I uh, don't know like my friend group. So it'd be hard for them to know, but I would say, or my, my other friends, my guy friends would say, I have a tendency of hanging out with pretty girls, but this is not the case. I have a tendency of hanging out with, people who identify yeah. as, as women who might also happen to be attractive, but yeah. that is not the reason why I started hanging out with them. Like, so they, they had an interesting book. They, they, they yeah. know things that I don't know. And then I'm like, Oh, interesting. So they know about like, I don't know, like Christological time as, as depicted by C.S. Absolutely. Lewis, let me talk to them. And then it just so happens that my friends go like, Oh, she's really pretty i'm like yeah. oh cool i yeah. don't care it's like uh because that's not why i moved in yeah uh, that's not why i'm staying here and it will not develop into this because i know yeah. no yeah, yeah, yeah. no i 100 agree yeah. with you um trainers of so brie and i brie is my girlfriend we actually um we knew each other in mm-hmm. 
uh, long ago when I used to go to church with my family, we met through our church and then we reconnected through Bumble mm-hmm. years down the line. Um, okay. I think, okay. I think it's very funny that we, we talked a little bit about how dating apps, I think are a step up from like what our parents and like people past our parents age used to do of just like meeting someone random at a bar. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people see, cause you know, yeah. uh, what age people get married at like that's gone way up nowadays um and i think the age we mm-hmm. live in people mm-hmm. like to take their time with like maybe getting into a more committed relationship and i think that's right i think that's a really good call um because i i you know mm-hmm. i know a lot of adults mm-hmm. i'm an adult but you know people older like way older than me that you yeah. know have like a nice love story and it's something like happenstance but a lot of times I see, you know, I know a lot of people whose parents are divorced or like they've gone through some abuse or something like that. So I like, I like the age we're in that we're going towards more of a kind of like, I, I, I'm trying to think of the word. It's kind of like we're, we're looking at romance through the light of not necessarily just sexual or like physical attraction, but it's very much you want to weigh like, is this Mm -hmm, the person mm -hmm. like I want to be with all my life? Do our interests mesh? Do we have that connection? that kind of thing yeah um oh and a, sure. a really good note for we had sure. was like when using these apps i think a lot of people try to force a connection yes. that's something Brie and i talked about so i think the focus is on do you actually make a mm. connection or are you just two people who want to have a connection okay 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 so this is this is superficial yeah, exactly, you mean, and exactly. trying to make it more than superficial Okay, like like I match with a like on Tinder, right? This is why I mm-hmm. don't like Tinder and why I don't have it. Um, it's on Tinder, right? You see someone and you say, "Oh, if you don't have a bio, I'm not gonna match with you." But that's not really the case because I've talked to my friends um, mm-hmm. who are who are girls, who are guys, and they're they're here and they're just swiping, swiping on pretty people. Um, if, if they're like on the fence, not on the fences if they're pretty, but on the fence if they're their type, then they'll click over and read the bio. And then if it's interesting, they'll swipe right. If not, then they'll probably still swipe yeah. right because the odds are they're not going to match with them. One guy I know, he says it's a numbers game, so he swipes right on everybody. And then if he's not interested, he'll unmatch them. Before that's, they a, that's a brutal way to look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that i'm not gonna say i don't necessarily i don't agree with that at all uh but i will admit that tinder in and of itself is a numbers game because you get what 50 swipes in every 12 hours something like that so so you can swipe on every single person Mm -hmm. within your age range within i don't know like two weeks if you yeah. live in a, a sparsely populated town. Oh, yeah, big time. And you probably know a lot of them. Uh, so it's, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it actually helps. No, I don't think so. Tender. If you're looking for an actual relationship, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for, for a hookup. Uh, and, and to clarify uh, for, for the Canadian listeners, I learned this from uh, <laughs> watching Degrassi. So apparently, hookup in Degrassi, or in Canada, at least in the uh, like 2000, 
2008 to 2015 yeah. meant just making yeah. out. Whereas I it think in, going all the way. in the United States, it means, yeah, yeah, just, just to clarify. So by hookup, I yeah, do I've mean seen that before. going all the way. Because, yeah, yeah, because I, I feel that making out with someone is, yeah, know, people do that at parties all the time. This is, this is something, right? But to our generation, but I think when you're talking about that, enough. you also are talking about, you know, there's the there's a lot of vulnerability that people don't talk about that is involved in that whole situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I think also mm-hmm. um, since we're still on the topic of love, um, that young men, because um, you're a, a little bit older, how than much older? Not that I? much Wait, older. How old are you? A little bit. Um, okay, I'm 24. I'm 23. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, young men our age like to think that we are <laughs> that we're stoic. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Completely. True. Yeah, yeah. That 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 nothing is wrong. Though the one that I'm most terrified of at the party is not the guy who's acting oh, yeah. like the classic Chad, or or. You know, in in the incel mm-hmm. community, yeah, how many, uh, how they'll know what I'm talking about. Chat but, community, do you think uh, listen to this podcast? Uh, probably uh, hundreds in the thousands. I, I don't know, hundreds maybe. <laughs> no, no, probably I zero. Zero incels listen to this podcast. <laughs> but uh, if there ever were any, Eliza destroyed them on episode fifteen point five, so her. they are gone now. Um. <laughs> So if, so I think that, yeah, young men like mm-hmm. to act um, tough and whatnot, uh, hyper-masculine, we'll, we'll say, but it's the one that I'm worried about most, the guy at the party who's comfortable showing his emotions. I'm wondering if he's just a charismatic guy using this to coerce oh, yeah. um, people or, or if he's such an expert controller of his emotions that he is doing a similar thing but for malicious intent so not just trying to hook up but trying to control the situation and then there's the third option of the guy who is slightly you know just a normal guy who refuses to withhold his emotions which is which is fine but so i'm not really afraid of the young guy who acts tough and always wants to fight because uh, that's a very this is a vast majority <laughs> of our our generation. Yeah, yeah, it's easy enough. You know how, in 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 like the most blatant terms, you know exactly how he's gonna swing, how he's gonna fight. So if you ever have to end up in a situation where he is swinging on you, in all yeah. likelihood, he's doing this because he's intoxicated. So don't hurt him. But you can easily get away. And if for some reason you can't then you yeah. can easily take him down without hurting him. You don't have to end up on an episode <laughs> of Law and Order because he came oh, and no. shook him and then he his head exploded on the ground. You don't you yeah, you don't you don't have to do this, right? So there's no excuse to I had to, he came at me. Oh, no, yeah. because then you're perpetuating this oh, masculinity. Yeah. You're perpetuating this problem where where because I, I think I explained this in in episode two. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah, I've episode that. two. Such a long time ago, uh, yeah. Where um, the opposite of love, right? Since uh, 
trying to keep the audience, remind the audience that I never lose myself. Way to, way to bring it back around. Uh, the, the opposite of love, yeah, yeah, is indifference. The I antithesis like to love is hate. So these, so, so these young men are acting nonchalant. Uh, not just young men, right? Now we see it with young women who are, I don't know, there's another podcast. Um, you know, there's nothing against this podcast yeah. called Call Her Daddy. I think it's called uh, the, these these young women who are um, who basically reclaimed the the word slut, reclaim mm-hmm. the words whore, and I'm all for them. I'm all for them. So they're reclaiming sexuality, saying it's it's okay for a guy to sleep around, but it's not okay for a girl to. But we're we're always talking about our situations. So eventually, either you you dislike us enough to where you leave or you start to understand where we're coming from and then you continue to stay so these these young men and sometimes young women who are acting nonchalant are apathetic or they're attempting to portray themselves as indifferent so this is the opposition of love so whenever we're refusing to show our emotions we're indifferent we're this nonchalant uh cool person whenever we because love requires um yeah, it requires vulnerability. Um, it requires a commitment 100%. once again. Like I want to. Oh, wait to really bring it back around. That's um, solid, man. And it requires energy. Yeah, yeah, it, it requires energy. Mm-hmm. Indifference requires no energy unless you're feigning it. And hatred yeah. requires the equal amount of energy as love, which is why it's so dangerous. Because if you if you hate someone, right, you think someone dislikes you. Maybe someone says, I don't like you. And then for the next, I don't know, months on end, you're thinking about yep. them. You're like, I really don't like them because they told me I don't like them. You have to, what we don't understand as a society who's moved so far away from uh, the types of love, right? So we have philia, which is brotherly love. We have agape, which is yep. like this godly love uh, in the Greek sense. Uh, we have eros, which is a quick, spriteful love of like passion and, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. and like eroticism. That's where we get our word erotic, and then we have we have uh, the platonic love, which is similar to brotherly love, but oh uh, yeah, Greeks <laughs> did a lot more things with their friends than we do with our friends. Uh, <laughs> so so we 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 have these types of love, right? We'll we'll stick with the three basic types: so eros, philia, and um, We'll say agape is our is our next meter. So agape is the extreme love. Eros is like the passionate, sprightful love. And philia is the brotherly. So we'll say philia is the middle ground. So this is what we can feel for each other. Um, yeah. It, there's nothing wrong with going beyond or under this, but, you know, it's easy enough. And then eros, the sprightful love, is the one that can mutate. Because eros, the, the Greek uh, god, the Greek demigod, had a brother. Um, had several brothers because mm-hmm. Aphrodite was I've got one of the other types quite of love sprightful love, herself. Um, uh, uh, pragma is love that you do. Endures. Okay, go ahead and say it. I don't know if that was the one you were looking for. Pragma. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, pragma. Like, like pragma. This is Greek, yes? Yeah, yeah. I was using the, yeah, I was using the term philia, which is Latin. Uh, so I we can drop well, that no, and replace philia, that with philia pragma. Philia is also in there because that's the brotherly love. So yeah, arrow, I think I think that Philia is also. In I think there. they all kind of blend okay. together. Language okay. Wise. If we're talking so about we have like, multiple... like Hellenistic languages, kind of like going in there together. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're absolutely yep. right. So we have um, Eros's brother, who whose name escapes me at the moment, but he he loved to a point where no one loved him back, and he became like a demonic uh, Cupid basically, and now he hates. So with the same amount of energy that Eros or loves, yeah, um, his brother hates. So this is this is whenever we get dangerous. So this is um, obsession. Uh, this is uh, this is whenever we get into a realm of this person dislikes me, so I hate them. I'm thinking about them, even though they've forgotten about me years ago. I still dislike them. I yeah. still go to their social media. I still look them up. Yeah, yeah, this is this is whenever we've gotten dangerous, right? So so I want to mm-hmm. uh, believe. That you hate They're... me, that's why I that's why I hate you because I when in fact this other person's indifferent. But as as young mm-hmm. people, uh, we don't know how to interpret. Um, not all of us, but we don't know how to interpret the. Or sometimes we use the wrong words. So maybe this person said, "I hate you." Whenever they meant, "I I don't like you," and they walked away. This left that little gnawing nymph inside of your head that that continually grew. And, and started to matriculate in its own right and grew into this hatred Absolutely. That, that had no right to exist in the um, first place. And I also found the, uh, do you want to, you get one guess as to what uh, Eros's brother's is named? Because I've got it and you're going to crack up oh. what it is. Oh no. It starts with an A. <laughs> what does it start with? Does it start with a G? Anteros. <laughs> An A. I it's no just anti-Eros. <laughs> Anteros. I love it. Yes. Okay. 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 I, I like that. Literally, I love returns or counter okay. love. Cool. Anteros. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Logan, since yeah. you're the moderator, so you can, the next thing you we can take us about. to our I'm next the, Wait, I'm the guest, but point. I'm the moderator as well? That's very cool. I like it. Yeah, you have all the positions Excellent. now. You are so as you a, are the Suga sect. The Garrison Institute. Yeah, the Garrisonian Institute. Institute. Um, the Garrison Institute. So at this point, we'll be talking about romance as portrayed in media, <laughs> as in film, TV, any which way you want. But I think mostly when I talk about film portrayed media, I okay. mostly mean film and TV because I think that visual aspect of it, and as like a moving picture, I think is 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 important because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the media that most people consume. Yeah. Um, yeah so I've got some I, notes I, on you, I, I but do you want to just address the topic um, uh, like as it wholly is right now? Okay, so the first thing I have... No, no, go, go for the notes. Go portraying for the notes. romance is more suited to TV than to movies. Thoughts? Mm. Okay, 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 okay. Ah, I... Mm-hmm. I Okay, so so I have a little bit of a hiccup here. Um, mm-hmm. So I think yeah. I know what you're getting at, that the long and arduous development mm-hmm. of romance requires episodic reprisal. I, I agree with this, which is why I think the greatest portrayal of modern romance mm-hmm. among a cisgender um, European couple is... Uh, or, or yeah, European descended couple is. Oh, Christian I am going to disagree with you on the four trilogy. 
but I do the before trilogy is very very okay good. okay okay so so I I Decade. I say this because it's over the span of what it's over the span of yeah yeah nine years between each film so the first is just people who mm-hmm. meet the second is what happens whenever you don't meet up but then you r- r- run into each other randomly and the third oh, film yeah. is after you've been married for for I a decade. watch those movies those are so good and and you have kids now yeah yeah but but you you had some disagreements so, so we could so, talk about that a little bit but i want to it's not necessarily so so this is let me clarify so it's not a disagreement because i think what you said about the before trilogy the fact that it plays out over a long span of time that's what makes it i think very believable and very realistic so if we're talking film I was going to say mm. my favorite, and I think one of the greatest uh, portrayals of love is uh, when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Okay. When yeah. Harry met, okay, okay, I I understand this. Luckily, luckily, I um I don't remember. Someone told me this was their favorite film, <laughs> and I remembered I watched it whenever I was like twelve, too young to understand this. So, oh my god, yeah, I watched this two weeks ago Mm -hmm. so so it's fresh in my mind it's fresh in my mind okay so so i i can agree with you on this i will say richard linklater does good work of bringing actors back signing them into (laughs) lifelong contracts forcing them to come back and 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 renew their roles over the span of 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 multiple films just like wes anderson but slightly different stories but he has a good of pulling actors in and using their unique qualities as people mm-hmm. kind over of, I mean, multiple kind of the same thing about um, reprisals. Right? And uh, Meg Ryan. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or or mm. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really watch it, but Bridget Jones diary I hear is is similar. I, I think it's more of like or since since we're just naming them, then then we're definitely gonna get into <laughs> Harry and Sally, for sure. We're definitely diving into that. Um, um, but what is another one? Uh, it had it was it was British. Kira Knightley was in it. Who else was in it? And you're not thinking uh, of Pride Prejudice, are you? What was it? It was based in. No, no, it's based in England oh, are you during about Christmas the, uh, time. There was the Prime Minister oh, there. The Love Actually. Uh, Love Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Actually. Love Actually. So I think Love Actually is is yeah. a quick. Well, it it happened over the course of like a few months, but it because I think it was it was in dangerous territory, mm-hmm. but it worked out well because they had what five couples that that were discussed, and then it it rotated through them like so it'd go in chronological order, not chronological, but yeah. in in order of appearance. So one through five, and then rotate back out, then go like one, three, two four, five, like something like this so you could keep them straight. I think Love actually did a pretty good job of Britain, of romance between multinational, multi-socioeconomic status, multi-racial couples, and um, what happens whenever uh, one of them, what happens whenever your friend marries a woman who you've been in love with? Uh, And then this woman knows that you love her near the end of the film <laughs> and then she does oh, the yeah. worst thing yep. I think possible 
she she kisses him. The worst yep. thing possible for somebody who just told you they're in love with you. you yeah, they really them just on. left you on that. And then no second film. <laughs> yeah, that's why, you know, it's it's not a horror film. The only thing I know is that is that he, like in my mind, I've already written the second film. He uh, is dating someone. Then he goes to hang out with his friend um, and, and Kira Knightley's character. Mm-hmm. And then they are they're there having dinner, whatnot, and then his new girlfriend shows up with oh, him. all the feelings. And, all the shows up, and then it all oh, rushes back. And then it's like this is why you yeah. can't have a stable girlfriend because she kissed him, allowing him to think maybe oh, one that's day. That's good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So why I think but Why back I think to when Harry, oh, Harry has one of the best and I think truest to life type relationships is because that movie, like the Before trilogy, but the Before trilogy takes place over three different mm-hmm. movies. When Harry Metzelli is only one movie, it takes place over yes. I want to say like a like ten yeah. year or so span. Um, it's it's about so it's like it's ah is it is it not long? When Harry Metzelli, they meet. To, like the title of the movie they meet as they're finishing with college and they're you know they're they're both moving mm-hmm. to new york so they they drive there from chicago yes. and they part ways and then another five years goes by and mm-hmm. then they're on the plane they discuss things they both like they're they, on the plane i think one of the coolest things about it is they both don't like each other at first and i think that's it's not like other movies where it's like yeah. oh they hate each other but they have that kind of like attraction and you know they hook up in this, it's like they don't like each other, so they're just like, "All right, bye," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they leave. But so then, another five years later, so now ten years from their first meeting, yeah. if they meet again, and it sticks, so like they actually hang out. And so, like, what's so cool about mm. that is like they do ah, truly, like yes, yeah, like need, like both of them just got out of relationships, so like they just want to be friends, like truly, like they they are not looking for anything. But over the course of the movie, they mm-hmm. hang out more. Mm-hmm. They like they really connect, and there is that instant chemistry between them. Um, that kind of like connection. They both like have that kind of like witty kind of like. They're just they're both very sharp people, so they get each other. Um, and as they become friends, and as they kind of go through life, they kind of realize that, oh, this is the person that you know I love hanging out with, but it's the person like I want to like be with for my life, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think there was another film, if I'm not mistaken, that that is, is quite similar to this, That that's a bit newer. Circle of Friends, no, I haven't. You're telling me about a movie that's Circle like of Friends. Right that sound. Have you... That I haven't seen? Circle of Friends is from 1995. No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't... No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's not at all. It's not at all Circle of Friends. I think uh, I think the actress who's in this film looks similar to Minnie Driver, but it's it's not this film. So so to me, the last part, yeah, or the 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 we'll, we'll say the exposition, yeah, of so let's say the falling action of mm-hmm. the film, how Harry met Sally, or their friends, oh, yeah. right? Uh, they're they're yeah. becoming very good friends, like in the sense where they talk about their partners. 
So uh, this is interesting. There was another film that I watched. It was on Hulu. Yep. Ah, now I'm now I'm having the problem that you had at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, so so there's this young man who was a nerd. I hate using the term, but he was a nerd at school. And a young woman defended him, and then they met. This is why I think they they met again whenever they're older on a plane. Then they went to college together, became good friends. Oh, he broke oh, up no. with his girlfriend. Then they slipped oh, up no. and uh, had 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 intercourse. They said, "I don't want to change anything." Drifted apart. And what's going to happen in the feel good back together of summer 2016? <laughs> Find out what happens to these two lovers. <laughs> Yeah, this is oh, what was this film? I think that was almost what I had to say about. I don't know. Logan, I continue, continue. Now I do have to admit, I watched the end monologue where it's the New Year's Eve party. I do watch that about once a week just to like really get myself pumped up about romance. Um, because it's just so good. It's so good. People mm-hmm. listening to the episode, if you haven't watched When Harry Met Sally, first off, watch that. But if you have not, or if you, it's been a while since you've seen When When Harry Met Sally. Please just go back and watch that ending scene where it's New Year's and Harry like rushes in because it's perfect cinema. It really is. It's so good. Okay. Um, we've talked about one here, Metalli. It is. Do we want to talk about Blade Runner first or X-Files or Stargate or Star Trek? If we're on the topic of like movie romance, uh, I feel like that's a good talk one about segue Blade to. Runner. Because that romance is one that is endlessly fascinating, endlessly fascinating mm-hmm, to me, mm-hmm. less on a realistic standpoint and more from a thematic standpoint. So what are your thoughts on it? Yes. Oh, yeah. So we got, we got young man Harrison. Yep. Hunting down replicants. Gets, gets to finish up some jobs, realizes, or has a has this oh, yeah, trial exactly. of faith. Which he's not. I might way. actually do one as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, we they should know by listening to this podcast that we're going to ruin well, every single people film still argue that about is, on, is, is the, Deckard a replicant. In the description. And it's like, no, he's um, not a replicant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because because yeah. because replicants, right, have memories of their past. Yeah, and then they have senescence, so they they die. But big time. In order to simulate age, they have to be replaced. Yeah, they have to come in, so they like have some some little symptom, like oh, I felt a lump. So yep. they come in. Uh, to get screened like every year and their bodies are slowly slowly like like they absolutely right this is this is assumptions from like ghost writers and and guys on wiki right uh, at this point uh they, they like change the 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 like the meta the meta um what do you call it the meta integumentary oh yeah, yeah so that it it like the elasticity changes over the course of a year so it's like yeah. 
you don't just upgrade like, man, the I'm, skin I'm from thirty to forty or... in one go. You you change around the <laughs> yeah, you change around the the joint lubrication, right? And then even though this doesn't sound mm-hmm. relevant, oh yeah, yeah, yeah even yeah, though yeah. this doesn't sound relevant, it, it will become quite clear to the audience, yeah. right? Uh, who who have who have gotten used to me uh, going on these random tangents, mm-hmm. but. So they change this integument like every every five six years or whatever, and uh, that's why they always Big stay time. are within Especially working Rachel. distance of their of their like founder of their creator. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Rachel Rachel's a prime example. So they have in this normally this programmed in senescence because eventually having a replicant who thinks yep. who thinks he's fifty years old um, doesn't do anyone any good because uh, you have to adjust his joints his strength and everything to be a 50 year old, unless he realizes yeah, like or the he or she realizes they're a replicant, then they can access uh, yep. everything. But you have to, yeah, yeah. You have to dial them down. Uh, so after 50 years, you have that program in senescence. So then they, they're, they're gone. They're, they're done. Cause there's no point of having an yeah, old replicant. You just have an old man <laughs> and you've wasted billions of dollars. Just, just having an old person. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not uh, which is not to say that we should let old people die during coronavirus. Kids stay at home. Don't kill your don't don't yeah, yeah. Don't don't do that. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. But specifically with Rachel, who doesn't have programmed in senescence, um I think that's the easiest way to tell she's a replicant. She's always young and beautiful. Harrison Ford, yeah. right? Since since I'm just gonna continue to use his real name, I've already started. Um ages. And he has uh, extreme PTSD. His memories are not very well intact, which is a replicant's memories are fragmented yeah. as well to emulate human memories, but they're Big fragmented time. logically, which is not how human memory works. Uh, they're, they're fragmented both logically and, Absolutely. well, I guess chronologically. So with no, time, like they fade and break apart, which is not how real human memory works because you could have... Yeah, fresh memory from the age of four. If you saw someone, yeah, uh, get like shot yep. up in a space station, <laughs> then or by aliens, you're gonna remember that mm-hmm. more than uh, your your first you kiss yeah, at yeah. eight years old or whatever. <laughs> I hope not at eight years. At fourteen years old, um, uh, so so his memories are are like matter of importance, as you said. So that being said, we, so my, so we can assume it's that he's not a replicant, but I'm sure you have other reasons assume to assume Deckard that he's not. is not a replicant. So, so I've read uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Uh, very good novel. Um, and that's what, for people who don't know, that's what Blade Runner is based on. Yes, Kind yes. of loosely. It's been a while since I've read the novel. Because um, I, I watched the movie probably about once every like mm-hmm. year or so. Mm-hmm. Probably more than that. But... It's it's one of those things where I I'm not exactly sure how much of yeah, romance sure. plays into the book. It's been so long since I've read the book, but I'm not sure. But part of what is so appealing about Rachel should we should we explain their relationship dynamic for people that like don't like haven't seen it? They're very true, very true. So yeah, it's yeah, already been ruined. So they, they Rachel, know. Oh, it is, hasn't been uh, ruined. A, but like, the ending is available. Introduced yeah, to her, and then it's very quickly established that she is a replicant. Um, and and Deckard, Harrison Ford's character, we know he is. We know most people agree that he is a human dude. Um, 
And so their kind of relationship dynamic is they're both trying to kind of just survive in this dystopic, like (laughs) kind of world that we're presented with, but also like Rachel has a limited time span. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Isn't she like limited to two years or something like that? Um, yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of like, they're, yes, they're, yeah, they're yeah, she clock. has this and that's a little bit of sense are, of urgency, yeah. but so they meet and there's like, there's definitely some attraction there. And what I love so much about their relationship is I think they almost parallel each other in like an arc, almost like a parabola. Um, in the way that Deckard is a human who is very robotic mm-hmm. and Rachel is, for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, a robot yes, who is yeah, very yeah. human. And where they meet in the middle is, I think, where that romance works so well. And they share that's if every good romance goes back to that feeling of connection, right? And I think that's where they connect, is that point in the middle of those two arcs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why I think that's why I think Deckard being a human is so important thematically to that. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I fully agree with you. Like detective. Because he's a perfect hunter. Well, not hunter, but he's a perfect agent to get them because he is a a human who's gone through so much trauma, so much um, breaking down of his emotional response to the point where he is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a human form replicant, or I guess a replicant form human. It, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to where he can detect them quite easily. The Voight comp uh, he, he knows, well, obviously he has his machinery that helps him so as well. Cool. But you're right, the Voight comp test. Uh, we'll get to that. Which is also something similar, a uh, Zaytark detector in Stargate, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with you that it does in order, because we can't say based on the canon, we can say that he's a yeah. replicant. And you're talking about is, a movie that has been this cut is a, and recut. And a stylistic interpretation. Like six different times. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if we're mm-hmm. watching the American version, then that's not at all what have you ever seen what the, the original, original like, filmmakers or the, the film the film have, I've, wanted. I, to, I still need to that's watch it. What? That's like the one with the voiceover. I have. I have that one seems crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite good. And uh, one of them I think I've watched one of the earlier cuts where it ends with the gunfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is why American audiences uh, they did a review to the see if it would be popular, away. and then they they chose to add the the uh, yeah yeah they 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 added the, the oh, what was yeah. it what oh, was it is, is it like a, a sprinter spinner, spinner. I don't know what the vehicle's called but where they were in it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the spinner spinner you're right uh, that they were in that at the end for. American audiences, because it it's that um, open ended thing. Oh, they got away. They they were in the love. unicorn. But at the near the end of the gunfight, you see the the horse on the ground, which is the yeah the unicorn, oh, yeah, which is bringing time. back in this uh, this nuance of theme uh, that one of a kind 
who is the one of a He's kind? Like an aging this replicant. Is, I think how some people are like, oh, maybe maybe Decker is a, a replicant. Who, yeah, yeah, like 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 he has some parts of him that are replicant. Like he was the first oh, yeah. born Which is replicant. Like you see, people are trying to connect all the dots um, between these. Yeah, these two endings, which is kind of dangerous, but yeah. also oh, probably the the filmmakers were just like, uh, let's let's f with them yeah. because the the audiences are yeah. are can't decide what kind of ending they want, so let's just give two completely different endings. Um, so yeah, yeah, I prefer that um, ending with the yeah. with the unicorn on the ground, um, just just straight out without the spinner scene. Yeah. Because the original it, it movie just, it, or I don't know if it's the original, did but I know like the, the final, they... final, final cut, or like the most recent one, I guess, ends with them just like, I think like them walking out of the apartment. Like it, it it's like he sees the origami on the ground, and he mm-hmm. d- he does the mm-hmm. flashback to his like the unicorn in his head, and then they leave the apartment yes. and it cut to black. And I like I like that ending. I think that. I, I like that one. It, it's open-ended. Mm, it mm. has the like, well, wait a second. What's the, so then what's the deal? How does Gaff know about, um, Gaff is like sort of his partner. Uh, they're like, how did the, how does he know about like Deckard's weird dreams or whatever? Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool. I think, that, I think it's a good ending. And then like, we can't yeah. even get started on Blade Runner 2049. Like all the implications of that. Absolutely. Oh! Oz, you gotta watch Blade Runner mm-hmm, 2049, dude. Mm-hmm. I was not, I don't I have we're not talking about love anymore. We're talking about Blade Runner. But um I am I am a huge Blade Runner fan, if you can't tell. Um <laughs> love it. I love any good like first off cyberpunk stuff is so fascinating to me. But also like yeah. just like classic kind of like neo noir that like detective settings in mm-hmm. any style. I think that is one of the best genres for any sort of setting. Because um, there's always going to be mysteries, and there's always going to be one of the people that want to like figure them out. So it's perfect mm. for any setting. But um, I had so low expectations for Blade Runner 2049 because I thought it was going to be just like, you know, here's Blade Runner again, just set more in the future with Ryan Gosling. But it's not. Oh my god, dude, it was so good. Just watch that, watch mm. that, and just like go into it like I don't know what's going to happen, and I think. I want to hear your thoughts on it afterwards. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. We can we can definitely get that. But while we're still here, just just right here, right here, talking about love, yeah. Philip K. Dick, they made an anthology series no, based I really on want all the short stories called Electric Dreams. I yeah. Have you I seen? I don't it? have access to Amazon Prime. <laughs> I think it's available on Amazon Prime. If you don't have access to it, you can you I can I can give you my Amazon Prime account. I have student, so it's uh it's cheap. Uh that does not go out to all the audience. But if you find my email somehow and you email Thank me, you, I will yeah, I because that you I remember I a guest went pass went back Amazon Prime. What I was actually listening well. to the other day was uh, the one where you guys were talking about binge watching. And you were talking about uh, for like a hot second, like Phil K. Dick's uh, Electric Dreams, and I was like, "Oh, I really want to watch that." Yeah. Because I also want to watch uh, Altered Carbon with uh, Anthony. Is that Anthony Mackie? What's is it, what's his last name? The guy that plays um. Yes. The guy that plays yeah. Falcon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I like that is. An actor. I think that is Anthony. And then I was Anthony like, Mackie, yeah, Carbon? from from Winter Soldier I'll as check well. That out. 
Okay. Um, so do we want to move on to talking more in depth about X Files? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we can, but but a little a little we'll call, we'll call it a little, tangent. We'll call it a cogent because it's not a full tangent. We'll call it a, a cosine. Uh, so so yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, stranger in a strange land. Robert A. Heinlein, just going to drop that in there. Um, well, it's just about a human raised on Mars by Martians. He learns a different type of love. He learns how to use powers based on love. And then he comes back to Earth. And then he realizes that, that humans say they love, but it, it turns out that war and all this atrocity that humans commit does not seem to align with the same kind of love that Martians have. And that's all I'm going to say about that. If the audience would like to know about it, they can go... Uh, and research it on their own. I highly recommend it. That is Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein. Oh, it's a novel. It's not a movie. Okay. Ah, ooh, yeah. that, 1961. That looks cool. Um, cool. Oh, my God. I, for some reason, had already looked at this the other day. Interesting. Okay, wow. It's crazy how things will circle back around. Um, speaking of that, though, if we're talking about love and we're talking mm. about Mars, have you ever seen The Space Between Us? Would you... Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, I think so. I uh, with uh, it was definitely Asa Butterfield. It was very predictable. Yes. But a song, yeah, yeah. Uh, a I liked it. I liked it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. See, I don't know. I've seen, I think I've watched every single Asa Butterfield film yeah. that has to do with time travel or being in Did outer space. The so the space Compass? between us, um, uh, Ender's Game, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the Golden Compass. Did he? I, I don't know. I don't. I, if he, like he wasn't that. a major character, then now what am I making of? Asa Butterfield. I'm just going right to. I'm just going right to the source. Well, he has Ooh. blonde hair now. Maybe he. What? Yeah, it's literally. Yeah, it's literally a movie <laughs> called. <Hugo. laughs> uh, oh yes, yeah, yes, yes, he does. Like Martin Scorsese. Wow. Yeah, he was in Hugo. sure um what else what else what else and time freak with uh sophie turner and we all know is she I'll your watch favorite any film of the uh, sophie turner in it of like even if it's Game not the best actresses uh, oh jason momoa is so good i don't know because you know i i love me some jason momoa because he was in stargate first and i and <laughs> pe- people are always like oh jason momoa he became famous because of aquaman don't i was like that's disrespectful he was he was he was famous through Stargate. Don't play games. Uh, you know you had oh, Justin yes. Hartley as well, the original Aquaman who played uh, Green Arrow in Smallville. So we, and then we had some. I think Justin Hartley as well appeared in later CW um, remakes of other things as well. And then he and Jason Momoa have met. So it's like Jason Momoa took the the like triton so to speak from justin hartley so yeah i would yeah. i would highly so I agree with that jason momoa um, is my favorite from game of thrones kit harrington does not have yeah. the range like kit harrington's good but he doesn't really have a a large repertoire <laughs> least, yet he doesn't have to he's a handsome dude <laughs> yeah i i agree i agree he doesn't have to though he, he's had a one. He's, he's had a one big thing. He um, made like what a million dollars yeah. an episode. He's fine. I do quite like uh, Maisie Williams. 
I think she's yeah. I think she's really cool. But perfect. Let's let's keep it. We're at ninety minutes now, so I'm gonna end this and then we're moving to in defensive time. Okay. So for everyone who's listening, this has been one hour thirty minutes in defense of humanity um, episode with Logan Garrison. If you care to join us again right after this, we'll play in Perfect. defensive time.